Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. You're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs with me, Giles Bitter. I've got Augusta Koch from Gladi, formerly of Kayatana, on today's episode. It was great to speak to her. It was awesome to hear about some of the background stories of playing in both those bands and where she's at with it now. Gladi have just released a three-track EP called Raw Nerve. It's incredible. No Cool List is the track playing behind this. If you haven't heard Raw Nerve yet, go ahead and do that immediately. Thank you so much for listening. As always, if you like these episodes, if you like these chats, please recommend it to a friend. Sharing truly is caring. And if you're not caring, then what are you doing? East London's Signature Brew have been brewing music-inspired beers since 2011. They've made beers with Mastodon, Idols, Slaves, Sports Team, The Darkness. And if you go onto their website, signaturebrew.co.uk, using the voucher code 101podcast, all capitals, you can get 10% off getting beers delivered to your house. So here's Augusta. I think this is going to be the last chat on 101 part-time jobs of 2020. Thank you so much if you've discovered this podcast in the last 12 months. It's been awesome to see some of the numbers go up. And I say that not to give myself a pat on the back, but it's cool to, to share these things. It's cool to share these chats and I love doing them. Obviously, it's not about me anyway. It's about the people that I'm talking to and the brilliant stories that they're giving out. So thank you again for listening and see you next year. We begin this chat talking about Kayatana. So when it, when it started, the, the whole thing, uh, well, one of the things around it was that you, the, uh, the other two had been playing their instruments for the first time on that band. Is that right? Yeah, me too. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I had sang in like a ska band in high school, but I never played guitar until I met them. It's so funny because the last time I remember us hanging out, you told like an anecdote about you had a t-shirt in, during high school with like a guitar on it. I wore that to my first day of high school, like public high school. Trying yeah. to, you know, fit in with your people. It didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> no, I made like one friend. I went to high school in um, this, this school called Pocono Mountain East. It's like two hours from Philly. It's like a rural uh, mountainous like snowboarding town. And were there, were there shows, given like the snowboarding thing? Oh, yeah. I mean, there was a pretty... Uh, I don't know if it still exists here anymore, but like there was a pretty big... Or I guess big for the Poconos, but like a big punk scene. So I would go to shows like regardless of who was playing every weekend. We would yeah. just go. Yeah. Did you have a crew? Oh, yeah. I had a crew. Just like three other ska fans that were probably, in hindsight, we were huge losers, but we thought we were cool. And we would just go, like one of our parents would drop us off like every weekend until we eventually drove. But yeah, it was great. I mean, I remember that age, you know, going to a show was like better than a house party. Oh my God. Yeah. And then we ended up starting to go to Scranton, which isn't that far from where I grew up. So we ended up being at a bunch of shows with people who would eventually become like my dearest friends. And we're talking uh, about Menzingers and Tiger's Jaw. Yeah, and like Three Man Cannon and all these bands that now we're like I'm super close with. And like so you know our like our crew in, in Philly, like all of those people were at the same we were all at the same shows, but we just didn't know each other in high school. That's so funny. It's kind of cool. And were you playing music? Were your friends playing in those bands? I wasn't like close with um like the Menzingers were in Bob at the Saggots at the time and 
um, I wasn't really close with those people, but my friends in the Poconos were in bands like trying to sound like leftover crack type of bands. And I, I, I sang in a, a very short lived ska band called the blue bananas in high school. When I think back to, to my, my crew that was doing a similar thing, you know, on the, in the suburbs of Northwest London, there was, there was a lot of motivation because there were in our area, there was like gallows and enter Shikari. Mm-hmm. A couple of those bands were, touring all the time within a couple of years so i think that kind of enthusiasm spread oh totally i think it hit me that kind of thing that you're talking about hit me more like right when i moved to philly and then all of these bands were like all living in philly and really successful so like that type that time was more of like wow this is super motivating in high school it was more like people just played at at each other's garages you know, there was yeah. no like bands actually touring, I think, because we were too young. But I still think that plants a seed, though. There oh, is totally. that not to be a cliche, but that, you know, DIY thing. You're like, well, if there aren't any good parties that I'm going to go to, I'm going to make one of my own with my with my own friends. Oh, totally. Yeah, I would have shows at um my house like the year I right after high school, I would have some shows. And like, yeah, it was just kind of an excuse to have people at your house and meet people. You know, what happened after high school for you then? I went to I moved to Denver for a year with a bunch of friends from the Poconos. It it sucked. I hated it so much. I went to college for a year and then I ended up just moving to Philly um, because I had some friends there. And that's when I met, like became friends with the Menzingers and all of the friends I have now, pretty much. Did you have pressures of, of family kind of being like, you know, do your academic thing? Was there that thing going on? Um, sort of, not really, honestly. Like, I think my mom would have liked if I finished college, uh, but not really. I just wanted to get the hell out of Pennsylvania. So I, I moved like the right when I graduated high school and tried to go as far away as possible. Um, that didn't work out, but Philly was great. And then that just kind of became like perfect. It was a perfect time to yeah. move and meet everybody. And what year was that then that you moved to Philly? I think 2008. Yeah, there are so many good bands in Philly and everybody, I think because so much, so many of us that we met um, in that first year, like that 2008, 2009, since everybody was kind of from Northeastern Pennsylvania, we all just hung out. Like, I don't even think we hung out with anybody really from Philadelphia. Um, and then there was just house shows, like all, like you could walk to or ride your bike every night which was, it, it was a, a heyday, you know? It doesn't happen anymore, does it? Not really. I don't know if it's because I'm 32 now, but um, I mean, they definitely still exist. I've gone to a few like pre-COVID. Um, I don't know. I have that thing where like, I, am I too old to be in here? Like everyone's looking at me. Um, I get that all the time. Yeah. People have like, they Venmo at the door. It's so weird. <laughs> wow wow i mean it makes sense but i guess you can't use the like i have no money but a six-pack of beer excuse um totally what can you trade i know right it's pretty smart looking back at that time obviously i think you know maybe there there are some elements to you know certain time that you don't talk about it there and then because it's happening right Mm -hmm. it's like the present but looking back at that period of time what was what was your what was going through your mind what were going through like your friends minds in terms of I don't know what what you were doing. Was it, was it day by day? I think kind, I mean, I've 
been talking to people, especially in COVID, you're like having weird conversations about the past, obviously, like nostalgic. And I'm like, man, we were just insane, like absolutely insane people. We kind of just drank all the time. Everybody was hanging out constantly. I don't know how people had money. Um, and there was just shows all the time. And it was so exciting because the bands that we were friends with were like gradually getting bigger. And there were so many people coming through, like some of the shows that happened at Ava House, which is where I would always hang out. Um, looking at flyers of them now, I'm like, that is insane. Like, like Hopalong and Jeff Rosenstock and the Sidekicks and like all playing these shows together. It's so crazy. What were you working as at the time? I've worked at the same restaurant my entire time in Philly. So over over a decade. Um, this is like the first time I'm not there. Uh why 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 do you think that is? Is it the people? Um, well, it's cool. There's this place called Monk's Cafe in Center City. It's like an upscale Belgian beer bar. Um, it has like this prestigious reputation of being one of the best bars in the world. Cause we have like three hundred beers. I don't know, it's insane. But the owner is just like a super nice guy. He like loves people who play music he's always let bands come and go like one of the bartenders now plays in angel olsen's band amazing Uh, yeah like he doesn't work there anymore because now he's like full-time um Mm. with her but like lots of musicians have come in and out of there um so i just never left because the money was so great all of my friends worked there like uh a lot of people you know um have been in and out of there and yeah, it's weird because, like, honestly, that's the only job I've had as, like, a, an adult out of, like, high school. And it's been able to be not too stressful. No, I mean, it's, like, it's always stressful getting your shifts covered for tour because I worked there the entire time through Kaitana. Um, you know, there's always that initial, like, Can- will someone cover my shifts? But it always worked out. Um, I was able to – we were – at one point, we were touring, like, a ton, and I was still able to come back and, and work, which was super nice. How how much do you need do you need stability and how much of a sort of like home home person are you? I feel like it's really changed in the last year or two. Like I definitely chilled out on on partying in the past few years, and now I really like being home, which is kind of perfect right now. Absolutely. But I got really comfortable of just being like going to work, knowing essentially how much money I'm going to make, and then being able to spend as much time as possible like working on music or other art stuff so that's kind of nice i feel like that's so smart and mm-hmm. I, I feel like i know so many people and i'm probably the the biggest guiltiest person of this kind of thing of just everything else came you know second mm-hmm. and i look back and i'm like oh that's probably a mistake <laughs> i know sometimes i think about it. i mean especially when when covid happened and i was like oh my god the only two things i do are work in a bar and play music and both of those are gone so it's like, shit, I should have finished college. Like, I have no skills. I've honestly never even had a resume. You know, it's easy to say about the finishing college thing, but yeah. I didn't. I went to uni after the band stopped touring, th- you know, thinking, oh, you know, this is the thing I quote unquote should be doing. Even now, I'm like freelancer, ad hoc person. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I really think that that in England anyway, after uni, finding a job is so hard yeah i feel like it's the same here and everybody i know that has gone to school is in so much debt so Mm. thankfully i don't have that um which would have like crushed me right now but yeah it's complicated because it's like a self-worth thing too 
Cause you get to a certain age and you're like, okay, maybe I'm, am I too old to be like trying to pursue this? Or like there's, I don't necessarily feel it, but I can feel judged when I tell people that I'm a server and I'm like, fuck you. I probably make more money than you, but, yeah. but you know what I mean? You still have that shame when you like, I see my relatives and they're like, you're still, you're still trying to make this work. <laughs> like everybody who's gotten the opportunity to tour and like, it is, even though you can have times where it can be really rough, like mentally, it is like such a privilege and it's so fun to have these experiences. And even for like people like you and me to like have friends that are all over the world, essentially, it's like you can't really trade that for anything. I I have no regrets in like I really don't have regrets in that. Like I've been able to see so many cool things. Yeah. Just to be able to meet some of your like musical heroes or like just cultivate friendships, like weird friendships that you make when you tour with someone for like four weeks. It's like, that's priceless. Even though you have those moments of, you know, I think we all have those moments of like, what are we doing? <laughs> it's part of the deal, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. It's it's great. I mean, Menzing is a, one of those ones. I mean, a lot of our friends in, in England, when they come to tour, that's like probably one of my like top parties of the year. And, oh, yeah. you know, we, we all have different friends in different bands who we have that with. Mm-hmm. I mean, who do you have that with in Philly? I mean, definitely them. Uh I feel like everybody that I'm I'm friends with plays music. And then like, I'm trying to think like for, if the sidekicks come to town, it, it feels like it's their second home. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's so many people. Like, I feel like that music community is so tight knit that everybody just like has a mutual respect and cares for each other. You know, Is she a mag part of your crew? No, I wish. They're so cool. They're so great. We used to to have a practice space that they also had, and sometimes I would just listen to them. Are there different kind of punk circles then? Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, there's like Sheer Mag. I think they are from, they're like from Southwest Philly. Um, I've definitely like talked to them. I've, we've played, Kaitana had played some shows with them. They're like on a different level cool though. (laughs) Um, but they're really nice. I mean, everybody gets along. I, there's definitely like groups that are closer knit. Um, and it's kind of changed a little bit now that we're getting older. Mm. Um, but you have, even if you're not like close with that person anymore, you, for the most part, you probably have some weird memory of being like in a house show, bathroom line. We know the same people. Right? Yeah, of course. Because it is, even though Philly is big, it, it's relatively small. When Kayatana started... I mean, was it like a a practice with friends? What was the kind of first seedling? We had met at a party at Eric Keane's house. And Allegra had just moved to Philly. And Kelly and I knew each other for a while at that point. And we were like, I really wanted to start a band. But I wanted to start a band with women because that that were new as well. Because I didn't want to be like, I can't play anything, you know. And I think we practiced that week. And I had to borrow like guitar a guitar amp and then we just kept doing it and we practiced for like i think like eight months before we played a show and we kind of got like pushed to to play a show by friends which was really nice at at the golden tea house which is my friend ava's old spot and cool place yeah so cool um and so that was kind of like we really needed a little push from our from our community to to start it and then we just started playing and it everything kind of happened really fast in those first eight months we did you write a lot of the stuff that that would then become 
those later records. Yeah, I think so. Most of the songs, there was a few really bad songs that we didn't put on the first record. But yeah, we had written most of those in the early on. We had made like a little like dream list of what we would love to do as a band. And I think the only real thing on there was like we wanted to be on pink couch sessions. Do you remember that? That was like my top dream. And like maybe punk news because I think I still like like really read punk news at the time. And I we didn't get to do a pink couch, but if you make it like put the demo on and I was like, wow, this is insane. It was like the coolest thing ever. And then Tiny Engines had just emailed us and we were like, what? Like running around screaming. Um, yeah, so that was really cool. Did that like change your idea and identity? Did that come into that interest? I mean, I definitely once we started, I feel like it started so fast and we just like went full fr- throttle, like really fast where I think most bands like you know play for a long time or you know I didn't start when I was like 16 like most of my friends um so yeah it became like my whole identity for a long time of just being like this is all I do if I'm not on tour or working I'm writing or like especially because the second record we put out ourselves and we you know went through the whole process of getting distribution and all the stuff you have to do to release a record. So then it was just like full time working on this. So yeah, absolutely. That was all I thought about. I remember thinking it was really cool when you announced the second one on your own label. Yeah. I'm really glad we did that honestly in hindsight, because it's so nice to, you know, still not that we make much money from it, but we don't have to worry about like waiting for someone to send us like $50. You know what I mean? It's Mm. just like ours. And to be able to understand how to do distribution on your own and like press records, like learning the whole other side of it. So helpful. There seems to be a lot of mystery. A couple of times in my experiences, we, you know, hiring a press person, for example, Mm -hmm. who wasn't our like close friend. It was like, you know, they were a hired gun, you know, which is kind of gross to think about, but it's what we did, you know? Yeah. And I remember thinking there was so much mystery in it that made me feel really not at ease. We we did the same thing for that record too, where we paid someone to do press. I still don't understand that. I don't know what that means. Are you just emailing your friends? I have no idea how that actually works. I think that's the one aspect of it I really don't understand. I've done press for some friends bands in the last couple of years, some specialist subjects bands. Mm-hmm. And it is who you know it's people I've met because I interned at these at NME when I was 17 and yeah. the writer that was nice to me is now at Kerrang or something like that yeah I mean and and it's it's so interesting that because I remember one of the bands that we got like I got them a couple of radio spots mm-hmm. and they were just stoked and I'm like yeah but it's not that good <laughs> you know I was like yeah. talking myself down I was like but it is it is a fascinating and strange job and I know some great people who do it oh totally and so I'm sure there is like a reason for it but also the other thing is is that pressing punk bands, well, for punk music, is probably a lot different to a lot of other genres of music, right? Because there's so much limitations to how many magazines or websites there are talking about it. Oh, totally. I mean, I think that's the hard thing where when you, when you're put in like, especially when you come up in like DIY or you're going to shows and then you're introduced to this world and then a lot of your friends are like successful, it kind of like warps your brain of like what, like how you can generate new fans. Cause in my opinion, now looking back on all of this, I think the way we've been able to have people really like us is playing shows and opening for bands that maybe not don't necessarily fit with. 
Like we've done some tours where people were like, why'd you do that tour? You know, like that's not the greatest fit, but those people would still come to shows. And I still feel like that's the most effective way of gaining fans rather than just like, cause I love music, but do I necessarily read about it all the time? No. You know what I mean? Like I'll find out about a band from friends or just like randomly. I'm not, and that's just me though. I don't know. I think the biggest vote of confidence is when your friend is like, check out this record. I think that's the biggest piece of press any band can get. Yeah. Or like another band that you like talking about another band. If I see someone like, you know, talking about a band that I respect, then I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to check that out. And Twitter is obviously that's the place where this this thing happens now. Totally. That's kind of can be press in itself, I guess. I say now, but Kayatana started what in 2011? Yeah. So the internet was still pretty. Yeah, it wasn't kind of the same. Like, I feel like now, especially starting a new band, it's like, I think Instagram had just really popped off around then because I remember one of my first pictures is of Kelly, but I feel like now it's like so necessary for you to like have a brand being a band where like we didn't really do that. I, I hate taking pictures of myself and like, you know, curating this like image online. And I feel like, like it's kind of necessary to some degree. Like starting a new band is definitely really hard because even even though I feel like it's I it's definitely a different because it's not the same band, but it's still it's, I'm still writing songs the same way, you know, um, it's just harder now. I feel like with that, it feels harder um, than it was before, just in the sense of the Internet's changed the way people release music has changed. I feel like maybe there's like people don't care about albums as much or like I see people releasing a lot more like singles. Um, I also feel like it's hard because we just put a record out in February, our first record, and then we're on tour for two weeks and then had to come home. So, I mean, we were on tour for two weeks and then had to come go home. And those first two weeks, I was like, I don't know what this is going to be like. Like the record came out literally a week ago and it was awesome. Like it wasn't huge places or anything, but people came out every night. And I was feeling really good, but now it's like, I don't know how to, I feel like it's easier if you're already an established band going into COVID, but since we're so new, it's like, uh, I don't know. I'm trying not to worry about it too much because there's really nothing we could do. hundred percent. And the record's great. And at the end of the day, you've just got to have faith in that. I feel like everyone, like we all do. Yeah. And it's nice. Honestly, I'm enjoying just recording a bunch of songs during this and just like putting them out just for fun. Like it's kind of nice to just have this time to just work on songs and not really worry about anything else. Do you feel like the pressure has been lifted in, in that kind of sense? Oh, totally. I mean, even going into Gladi and trying to still do music stuff after Kaitana, I was like, this is just going to be, I have no expectations. Would it be nice to be able to tour as much as I used to? Absolutely. But I'm not going to put this like huge pressure to, to try and be like a huge band. I'd really just want to play music, you know? I've been calling it Glady. <laughs> oh, that's fine. I think that's nice. It's I we've made made it up because we wanted something Googleable. It's kind of a hard word to like I call it Glady, people call it Glady. Whatever. Choice is yours. Thinking about a band name that's Googleable, I mean that that is that is so 
our generation, isn't it? Yeah. I was like, I don't want something that's hard to find. I really just can't. I pulled that one out of nowhere. Have have like the, your lyrics, have that, has the sort of lyrical content, because you're really, you're really good with images and, and the kind of visual side of, of writing your lyrics. Has that changed, has your like process changed much between Kaya Tyner and, and, and Glady, Glady? Honestly, no. I feel like it's the same. Like, I've always written songs kind of the same. It will be like a burst one day. I'll just be like, I'll, I'll write this whole thing out. I can't really go back and work on a song again, lyrically at least. So it'll be like, if that's how it came out, that's kind of what it's going to do. But it's kind of the same. And it's nice now having this time. Um, Cause I, right now I'm in the Poconos where um, Matt, the other member and my partner has a studio, like a recording studio um, so we can just like work on, I'll work on a song in my room and then go out to the studio, which is such a luxury, honestly. Um, so you, you've been set up there for, for, for a while then. Yeah. I mean, Matt, this is where he works. So he'll, he has bands come up here and record and they stay and it's nice. It's like in the woods. Um, but since like, uh, COVID we've been up here a lot just cause it's nice. There's more room to be outside. Um, being in Philly, I still have to go back there a lot for work stuff, but, um, it's just nice cause we have a dog and we could just let him out and then we could just record whenever we want. So perfect. it's kind of perfect. Yeah. Has that put a like expectation on yourself to, to make songs, to, to make recordings or are you pretty chill? I feel pretty chill about it, but I like to give myself little, like, I've been trying to make sure I write a few songs and finish a few songs a month. Um, but I'm also doing like other types of art right now, just cause I have all this time. Um, and it's nice to do a bunch of things, you know? And then it, I feel like it makes like writing songs feel more like a treat, like to have other things you're working on too. But yeah, I, I try to, I always try to keep making sure I'm writing and finishing a few songs a month regardless. And that's such a contrast to to having those years in Cayetana where you said that you were just thinking that was, you know, you were thinking about it every day, every minute. Yeah. And I, and that was hard too, because at that point we were on tour so much and I'm sure you understand, like, it's hard to write when you're touring. And then when you're home, you want those like two weeks to just, or a week to just be like, I don't want to hear music right now. I, and then you're like thrown back into working and your social life and your friends that like fitting in time to write would be challenging for me sometimes. But now that that's not the case, it's just like, I'm just having fun. Like r- songwriting has always been my favorite part of being in a band for the most part. So it's kind of perfect now that it's just like, oh, I could just do it whenever. And it's fun. I think it is easy for, for bands to do that thing where they start going on tour and they get onto this kind of level where it's like, oh shit, we're actually doing that thing we always wanted to do. Or, you know, we have planned on doing for however long. And then all of a sudden kind of, you know, right in front of your eyes, but without you even noticing it, maybe you can't do the yeah. thing that got you there. Especially when you start like definitely not knocking it, but I never wanted to write songs about touring. Um, just cause I feel like the normal, like an average person can't necessarily relate. Like, I don't want to write songs. that's like, I'm on the road, <laughs> you know, that doesn't really necessarily resonate. And I've, especially growing up as like a woman that didn't necessarily feel super included. I didn't want to just write songs about that. So that would be challenging because that's your reality. 
And I could only, I can only write songs that unfortunately come from my perspective for the most part. Um, so it's kind of nice to have that off the, that weird pressure of trying to write songs about how much you miss your real life. I got caught up for a little bit in, in hating myself for writing, you know, I did this. Mm -hmm. I think that I look back, I'm like, that was, that was a stupid idea to get bummed out about that because I look at my favorite bands. That's what they do. Yeah, it's totally true. You see it completely differently when it's yourself. Totally. I try, I've been trying not to write use the word I in songs recently. It's hard though. Mm. It's hard though. Totally. I mean, you know, you know what you know and, and these feelings that you're feeling, they're yours. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I look at like Jeff Tweedy or Wilco or something like that. I'm like, there's no, there's not one time in my life that I've thought he's writing about himself too much, but obviously that's all he's doing, you know, basically. That's totally true. I think that's one of those like self-criticisms that only we would think about because that's kind of what all songs are. Yeah. All songs are about this kind of uh, intangible thing that we can't really get our heads around. Mm-hmm. And that's what's cool. Totally. Yeah. We shouldn't feel less alone for it. It's true. Was Kaitana winding down? That was, a, that was a decision that you made? Yeah, that was... We played our last show last August. It's not long ago. Yeah, so not that long ago. There was a gap before that last show, right? There was, yeah. We were like, we had toured with the Menzingers that winter in in UK, Europe. And then we hadn't really done much after that. So That was a great, great tour. Oh my God. Yeah, I mean, it was so nice because those are like Pup and the Menzingers are probably the bands we've toured with the most. So going into that, knowing that was probably our last tour, because we did know that at the time was really nice um so we were able to just kind of enjoy it um yeah so i had already started working at that point knowing um writing songs for gladi um trying to keep it smooth you know was there that kind of thing where you're like you know i'm gonna try and put things in place that are gonna help it do the best it can do i think for me it's like because i really enjoy playing and writing music I just didn't want there to be like this huge gap of like not you know especially because I'm older too it's like sometimes I'm like that clock is running out you know um and I like to stay busy with it like doing different projects I did the um seven inch with Sheena and Anika right after that and like just trying to stay busy because honestly if I if I'm not staying busy I've as far as music is concerned, I'm, I, it does affect me. Like I do feel like I'm wasting time. Um, and just knowing that I want, I definitely wanted to continue to do that. Um, I feel like, you know, bands in, in the sort of wider punk rock thing that we're familiar with, you don't want to look like you're trying too hard or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. Of course. And I think, I think people must battle with that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I've, I've found it to be really difficult recently because just the internet thing that we were talking about like it's i have a hard time sometimes it feels really narcissistic to me oh yeah and i really really struggle with self-promotion um Mm. and then struggle with being like i have to get over this because i have to like tell people what i'm doing in order for them to know that it exists but i also just they're like the narcissism aspect of music is so hard for me sometimes because it just feels gross 
and I see other bands and I'm like, that's kind of gross. But then, you know what I mean? I don't know. I'm very confused by it because that's not really, I feel like how we grew up to a certain extent with, with that kind of like, you have to be a brand type of thing. And that's why I'd rather just play shows. Um, but hey, I don't know. It feels emotionally draining as well. You're like, this is what you're supposed to be doing, writing the songs, not, yeah. not promoting it. Yeah, and like having to like kiss people's asses. I don't know. It just, that always felt really gross to me. But then I see bands that I like absolutely love that are huge that don't do that. So it's just like my whole theory at this point is just like I'm going to write as many good songs as I can and not worry about that aspect of it because I can't focus on that side of it. It's just, it would just be very like disingenuous for me to have a really cool curated brand because that's not, that's not who I am. Is it Gen Z? Is that the generation below us? I think so. Right. They must be pretty good at this stuff. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, I think that there's a, I wonder if you've experienced this over there. There's like this thing I've seen online with, with younger bands that there's like a confidence that is so cool and honestly a great thing because I feel like my generation is very like, I'm very like self-deprecating humor that all these young people are like, yo, my record is fucking awesome. And I have never said that in my life. Like, and that's cool though. I mean, there's a lot of, if you're a confident person, I feel like that makes people believe in you. And, but that's just like, not how I feel ever. Like I would never, um, be able to be like yo this song is so fucking good guys you know (laughs) but it's cool you know i'm trying to like appreciate that things do change and it's ultimately a positive thing if i see someone doing that i'm like that's cool Mm -hmm. and actually i don't dislike them in any way or i'm not as disparaging towards them in any kind of way yeah and it wouldn't even come into my brain i'd just be like oh that person's really confident yeah but the idea of me saying what they've said i'm like oh people would hate me i would hate me because i wouldn't that's yeah that's just not i don't think there's ever been a time in my life where i've been like yeah i got this (laughs) like it doesn't work like that yeah you can fake it I mean, I can fake it if I need it. You know, if I'm on yeah. stage and I, I can kind of get away with it. Mm-hmm. Totally. But that's because you've got a microphone. I don't know. How how do you feel being in front of a microphone? I always, I mean, it's definitely gotten better. I I would have like an extreme amount of anxiety performing every show. Like there was never a show where I would go and be like, yeah, this like just ready. And then when I would get on stage, I would feel comfortable and I wouldn't freak out I sometimes I would like feel like I kind of blacked out of like what happened but I would always be okay on stage but playing I'd never there would never be a time where I wasn't like absolutely terrified even at the bigger shows oh yeah I mean it, it would be nice bigger shows would be nice because there's lights and then you can't see people <laughs> as much I think it's also easier when you're the opener because there's just less pressure I mean I would still be really nervous but I definitely would be way more nervous when we were headlining just thinking about like feeling the weight of being like people paid and took a night off of work or like you know people who have kids got a babysitter to be here and if I let them down I'll feel terrible when like opening for pup and the menzingers it's like 
let's be honest, no one's coming to see Kaitana. Like no one, you know what I mean? Like the reason not that true. people are stoked that you're playing. Well, people they are were like, happy, but like, that's not the reason we're at that venue or, you know, like, so it would kind of be like, Oh, we can just have fun. And then like, try, I always liked playing first or second. That was, that was like an ideal spot for me. And that's the irony, right? Because if you were just there having fun and enjoying yourself, that comes through, you know, you can't fake that. Yeah, totally. And we would just have fun. Cause we would just be like, this is whatever. Like, we're going to just enjoy this and get, try and get people excited for, you know, Pup and the Menzingers, which is very easy. So yeah, for real. Did you ever have to go through that thing where you were like turning down tours or, mm-hmm. you know, people wanted to work with you and you were like, ah. Yeah, we definitely did tr- have to turn down some tours. Cause we, we would do things where like, ultimately I think it was really bad for us, but like do seven weeks and then come home and then do another seven weeks where that's so long. Yeah. Where we still were working, you know, like we weren't making money like, and it was, I think ultimately that was really bad for us because, you know, you hate to turn down a tour, but it's also like, I would be like, I'm not going to be able to have a job. Mm. And like, I think in in the beginning of Kaitana, when we first started touring, like Allegra had like a actual adult job. She worked with people with AIDS and HIV and AIDS. um, Oh, wow. Like counseling, like like a legit, like (laughs) serious job. And um, like she was able to, to make it work, but eventually had to quit that job and then ended up working at Monk's where I worked. Um, but yeah, that that stress, I feel like people don't realize how stressful it is when you're a mid-level band that isn't actually making a living from music, but you're still touring as much as these bands that are making good money. Mm. And that's that can be like crazy because then you're like, wow, I am like really destroying my my finances. And, I'll, you know, in most times it does work out because you hit that level of where you can do it. But it's it's such a fragile thing, you know. Does that leave you with like the two choices of either go hell for leather and end up looking like someone who's in leftover crack because you don't have a home anymore yeah. or stop doing it? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's what happens to a lot of people. Right. I mean, there's also like the trajectory of sometimes you can be in a band that people like, and then it falls off. Like the hype goes away or the, sh- you know, people are very i think it's hard too when we do have friends that are successful where it just naturally keeps going up but that doesn't always happen you know like you can get to a point where people like you a lot and then the shows are like getting smaller um and that's and that sucks like totally i mean and that's the thing i think that i'm coming to terms with with like looking at the whole my whole experience within music being like a fan and then playing it is like it's it's such a crapshoot you never know what's going to happen and it could go well it could be terrible like even just the humble experience of starting all over and and it, it has been challenging but it's also just like at this point I'm just like I just want to enjoy this and not worry about that kind of stuff because it could kind of like eat you alive especially if you're like you know you're you it is your soul identity which for a while Kaitana was for me and then when that ended you know people treat you differently or like you know it's just not the same you don't have that same self-worth you did before and and that's humbling and like really helpful in a way 
of just being like, all of this stuff isn't necessarily real life. Oh, totally not. Yeah. I wonder if it's got a lot to do with um, like where you're living. I mean, obviously like the rhetoric, you know, the narrative is like, you know, Philly's an artist town mm-hmm. or, or a band's town. I mean, is, is that, is that true? And like, you know, can, can you live not worrying too much about struggling for rent, et cetera? I mean, it's definitely way cheaper than other cities like New York and yeah, I mean, it's definitely way more affordable. And I think Philly, the nice thing about Philly, even like getting older now that, you know, a lot more people who were actively pursuing touring all the time and like really going for it have kind of just settled down into like kind of where I'm at of like, I would love to do it if it happens, but I can't, you know, manifest this, especially right now. But like there is a supportive network aside from just our friends, like the local radio in Philly, so supportive of bands, WXPN, they like write about all the bands of all genres. And that's like a little community in itself. And I call them like the regulars. Like there's this group of like people maybe 15 years older than me, like in their 40s, 40s, 50s that just like come to all the shows and like that's super nice too. There's like, there is like a larger community outside of just the punk community in Philly that really do care about the artists. And that's kind of ideal. Cause in a lot of cities, it's very like super competition oriented. And I kind of think of Philly as like the great British bake off, you know, like everybody's pretty, everybody's pretty nice to each other. Like if, you know, if you fuck up something, someone will help you out. Like, nobody's shitty about sharing anything and that and that has like and that's larger than the punk community that's just like at the venues that do exist in philly that are like small mid-sized venues like everybody's nice to each other and i don't think that exists all over because i've played places where people you know people aren't that friendly and i feel like philly there's a mutual respect for everybody which is really nice and that's gonna that lasts longer, you know. That's healthy. It's like nicer. It's. I mean, I feel like we've probably in our own exp- in our individual experiences, you know, seen like the shallowness mm-hmm. or the fickleness of how anything can be, right? Oh, totally. And so that must be like a real redeeming factor. You're like, you know, we're not in any rush to do anything. We're here to enjoy ourselves, and we're here to work hard and to do our thing, just the best we can do it. Yeah, totally. I mean, even when you see, I'm sure it's, it's similar over there. Like when we have, when there's a, there's a lot of benefit shows in Philly normally and like people really caring about the community, which is, which is nice, especially as we get older and we're like less debaucherous human beings, like people just like generally like stepping up when it, when it needs to, like even early in COVID, like there were so many people fundraising and working together and, and talking and, and that's really nice because then you do feel like you're a part of something, which is ultimately what we all want, you know? There's We, we got some friends growing up who played in some straight edge hardcore bands mm-hmm. after the ska punk bands. And looking at them now and, and looking back on that time, I, I almost feel like maybe it was a mistake to get pissed so much. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I don't regret anything, but you know, I feel like you can, you can do your, your, your stuff better when mm-hmm. you're not. But I mean, you lose the social side of that, but but then yeah. but then you're just like drinking because other people are drinking. That's not a reason to drink either. I mean, I I I think of those times as like highly insane. I feel like I remember once we hung out at a 
Siri and Annie's and we had we had a fun night. <laughs> like I don't I don't trade those at all, but I'm kind of, I'm also kind of glad that like that's not the case anymore. At the start of lockdown, we were drinking quite a lot and then sort of realized that actually doesn't make you feel so good yeah, <laughs> after a while. You're just like by yourself. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But at the same time, we need some practice. Right? We need some practice for for the big ones that need us. <laughs> true. Very true. <laughs> I just hope we're all able to see each other again. I don't, uh, it's pretty bad over here. I'm trying not to think like I had a conversation the other day of being like, I don't know if I'll ever literally be able to go on tour again, just for how long it seems like this is going to happen. Like things aren't really getting better. And then like, will I be able to tour in two years? You know what I mean? Um, But I'm trying not to even think about that so much because it's just that's too that's too crazy to think about. And the fact that like all these venues are probably going to close like a bunch of them, a bunch of venues, two venues that we played with Gladdy in March, the like right before the lockdown already closed. You're joking. Which is devastating. Like uh, this place in Boston that I loved. um, you know, it closed fairly quickly. And that kind of stuff scares me for just younger kids because that's such a crucial part of, like, I feel like communities need that so much and kids need that so much. I'm just afraid they're going to get bought up by like live nations or big places and it's not going to be the same. That was already starting to happen, wasn't it? Oh, totally. And that's the thing that like these independent places were already fighting these huge corporations that like, yeah, ba- like a tires draw menzingers are going to be fine. But like, what about these small bands that like transcend the basement show aspect? Like, where is that going to be? Um, and we touched on it with the sort of the partying aspects. But yeah. I mean, that that socializing part of it is a big part of it. You can't, no one can deny that. I oh, mean, of course. And that's how you meet your bandmates. That's how you meet your, I mean, everyone I've ever dated, all of my friends came out of that you know like the friends all i've had for over a decade and for the rest of my life i'm assuming came from those shows and i it scares me to think of like i'm sure you've probably thought about this too i'm so glad this didn't happen when i was like 21 i thought a few times about that and also when i was like 15 living with my mom i love her yeah but that would drive you crazy i'd be fucking insane yeah it's scary to think about honestly Cause even I saw this morning that there's some, there's one venue in Philly that is hosting an emo night and everybody's just tearing them apart. Like, because like, yeah, we would all love to hang out right now, but we can't, you know, and that's just making it last longer. And especially with punk people having ethics, like we can't have shows. Can't. Have you been having like the drive-in shows? No, but I, I mean, I haven't been to one, but I've seen one or two happen. Yeah, that's cool. I'm I'm hoping that by like spring, maybe like s- people will put together more ideas of like how to do safe outdoor stuff. Like it's already kind of happening, but now it's going to get cold. But I think maybe people will come up with like some cool outdoor things that are actually safe. Everyone's turning into the flaming lips. I know. I love that. It's so funny. That's so fucking cool. That is cool. I mean, makes sense. Fucking Wayne Coyne. All those drugs did something. Yeah, it worked out. <laughs> He's See, a smart it's, man. It'd be fine. I mean, I also think that something's got to give because, I mean, we're all doing our thing. I mean, I hope we are all are. You are clearly doing your thing. You know, in in the Poconos where you can mm-hmm. do it. And I hope. And I feel like something's got to give in terms of a platform. 
of being able to share that. Yeah. And I mean, obviously live streams is great. I, I saw it a really, really cool Future Islands live stream. Yeah. How do you feel about them in general? Like, I think it is going to show the class difference between bands because you need money to do that. If you're mm-hmm. going to do that well, you need thousands and thousands of dollars, I presume. You can't do that with your friend's camera in your basement. I mean, you can. I feel like there's a lot of production value that mm-hmm. needs to make something actually really quite good. Yeah, and it's not as boring. I've I've watched a few that are really cool. I really like the specialist subjects one that they were doing, like the, just the Instagram one. Because the, the group chat aspect of it can be really fun. It did. And it, do you know, like, a few times it kind of felt like saying hi to your friend at the at the real life yeah, show. Yeah, it was exciting. At, like Jeff Rosenstock's one that came out on Friday was really cool. And that was fun because I was talking and like Mike Park from Asian Man was in there just like causing a ruckus. And that is fun. But I don't know, like it's it's not the same, obviously. I don't know. I feel like I don't want to say anything if I don't have a solution to offer. Yeah, I agree. Which can be difficult. At least we have the internet right now. Maybe things will start coming back to like blogs and blog spaces and people can start be, being creative with their space. Online. Yeah, totally. It's nice to see how much people have have been doing, though. That's it's that's kind of nice. Have you have you had to use this time to discover much old records that maybe you didn't get time to? You know, it's funny. I have been making a point to really try and listen to music way more than I had been like waking up and just listening because I was getting into a habit of listening to the news like as soon as I woke up and it's just been such bad news this whole summer that I'm like all right I'm gonna listen to like records and really like dig into stuff so I've been listening to a ton of Beastie Boys like stuff that like just nostalgic stuff but also stuff I haven't like really gotten into like PJ Harvey I've always really liked her music but it never like sat and got really into it and so that's been nice and then just like kind of just like dumb stuff you know pj harvey's an interesting one because you know everyone knows how much of a cultural impact she's had Mm -hmm. but i don't really know why i haven't checked out the records yet yeah that's kind of how i felt and i was like so now i'm trying to make a that's a perfect example because it's like you know that that artist that you hear a lot about you know you probably like but then you you just never listen to. Every time I think like that, I'm like, I'm going to listen to it, which has been nice because it's like, it's it's just nice to to like get back into listening to music again. Well, maybe that's where we could end this chat with your top five books, records, shows, sure. TV shows. Oh, shows. Oh, yeah. That, you, that have saved you over the last few weeks. I've definitely. Months. Fuck months. Months. I know. I've been listening to My Favorite Murder, the podcast, a lot. I'm obsessed. I feel like we. I started listening to that when touring with Kaitana. Um, and I really feel like they're my friends. Like, look forward to Mondays and Thursdays. And I don't really even like true crime that much. But it's great. That's definitely saving me. I've been watching Lovecraft Country on HBO which is awesome. I haven't heard of that. It's so good. It's like sci-fi. It's great. You should watch it. Then music, I have just really been listening to a lot of Beastie Boys. I feel like that's kind of my life right now. I've been, oh, Great British Break Off. You into it? I'm super into it. I got a KitchenAid mixer for my birthday. And so now my sister and I just send each other pictures of baked goods we make and then pretend like we're on the show. Have you read the Beastie Boys book? I have. You know, it's funny. I saw it. 
at Jeff Rosenstock's house. He showed it to me. I really want to get it. I think it's really expensive. It's beautiful, though. I really do want it. I mean, it's nice to listen to them, too, because I feel like there's such you could there's such like a freedom of genre in there. I don't know. I find them to be incredibly inspiring. And I love that attitude. There's a good they just have a good vibe. I even think it's kind of cool and necessary for someone like me to read about the troubles they've had Mm -hmm. and the conversations they've had with sexism Oh, yeah, yeah. Those earlier sort of lyrical content things. Oh, yeah. To like actually have to apologize for some stuff. And yeah. Yeah. And be like, that's part of our deal now. You know, we grew up with American Pie. Mm -hmm. We should forgive ourselves a little bit and like learn, basically. Yeah. I feel like that change is is coming. Like we have to be able to forgive and, you know, have those conversations as well. I feel like, especially with like the political uprising that's happening in the United States and I'm assuming all over right now. It's like we have to have these uncomfortable conversations and be able to say that we are wrong. Like you don't know everything initially. Like there's so much I learned this this summer that I thought I was aware of, but I really wasn't. And to be able to have a friend that you can call and be like, just talk about it with and and have an honest conversation that's so important because that's how you learn you know and from the selfish side of it you actually feel so much better for oh, saying it absolutely because if not you're just thinking like am i a terrible person like how did i not know this thing like you know there's it's it's our job to do that work and we can also talk about it with with people we trust and and work through it because a lot of people feel the same way yeah i think that a lot of people are worried that if they talk about it they'll be made fun of or Mm -hmm. you know they won't feel as educated as the next person or something like that there's aspects of it now that are like are you the most woke are you the most aware it's everywhere isn't it and and i think that it's great to share information but it's not a competition that's not what it's about we have to like build each other up and positively want to influence each other and not you know, it's not a competition. This is people's lives. Like it's, Mm. it's crazy. I don't know. Well, I think that's a really positive note to end on actually. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This is fun. No, thanks for chatting. So there's Augusta from Gladdy. If you haven't checked out that Raw Nerve record, go ahead and do that right now. It's on their bandcamp, gladdy.bandcamp.com. And thank you so much for listening to this. As I said at the beginning, if you could tell your friend, if you could recommend it to someone, that's a massive help to me of getting more people on the show and keeping it going. I hope you've had a good Christmas. Have an excellent new year. See you on the other side. Here's Coxsparrow. I've been working all day for me, mate, on the side. Running around like a blue-ass fly. I've been working, yeah, I've been working all day for me, mate. Every bleeding minute I've been on the go. This is a Mighty Moon Media Podcast. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.